everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Portu Podcast in English. This is episode number 48. I'm your host, Rui Dos Santos, and we have a special episode for you all because we have a guest who is a Spartanguista who was nice enough to come on to the show and talk about our match that is coming up on Monday. He is a, he is the member of the All Things Alvalad podcast, Richard Nevs. Follow him at Twitter at Richard underscore N7. Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to have uh, fans of the big three get together and have civil discussion instead of uh, acting like psychos like some of them do on <laughs> online and in person. I think it's important to do that. The show, like at the end of the game, at the end of the day, it's just a game. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's oh, yeah. it's just a game. You know, just getting straight to like good and healthy discussions and topics. Yeah. But you know, we could always throw in a little bit of banter in there. It's always, oh yeah, it's always fun and healthy that way too. But you know, at the at the end of the day. We love the sport. We love to just get down to things and just discuss and not constantly trash the oppose uh, the the opposition or make excuses this this and that. You know, just get down to the to the good stuff. Why we love the sport so much, right? And the league. Why do we love football? <laughs> and why we just love the Portuguese league because you know, as much as there's so many things to get upset about it, it's still we still love it. We have a there's real... nothing there's nothing quite like it, is there? <laughs> I mean, for most of us, it's like a very unhealthy relationship with the league itself. It's not just the clubs. It's just the league. Everything it's is an just... Ab it's an abusive relationship. I've described, I think I've described being a fan of, of <laughs> Portuguese football. And in my case, being a sporting East, it's been a very abusive relationship yeah. for most of, my, uh, most of my existence. No, absolutely. I totally get it, man. So, yeah, thank you uh, for coming on to the show. I, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, you're the first uh, Portuguese fan outside. Of, yeah, we've had a couple of, uh, well, we've had a Portista that came on the show. So you're the yeah. first one to come on the show that isn't part of a the Portista. A Portista. Okay. And that is, uh, I guess, in the uh, Portuguese league, you know, uh, part of yeah. Twitter and podcasting world. So uh, we've had a couple of people that came uh, to um, came on our show. They were Inter Milan fans and and whatnot. Yeah. But we've only had Port Portistas and Inter Milan fans so far. So you're the first outside in Portugal to come on our show. So looking forward to it. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, Richard, you're obviously a Sportingista. Before we get into everything, um, how did you end up becoming a fan? Uh, so growing up in Canada, like we didn't really have much of a soccer scene like when I was especially when I was young like it's only been the last 10-15 years or so like as a 26 year old it, there wasn't much so my my dad's side my dad and his dad were sporting geishas and like I don't remember like I was around for the 2002 title but I don't really remember much of anything from it um but I just started watching and I liked it I think I just liked the shirts I think that was part of it and then like one of my earliest memories being a Sportingista is that UEFA Cup run that we don't talk about how it ended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one of my earliest memories. And it kind of set me up for what would be a lifetime of many disappointments. Uh, but you know what? If I can stay committed to Sporting after some of the shit they've put me through, you know, you can do it too. You, anybody can do it. Anybody can do anything. You can do anything in your life. You put your mind to it. But yeah, that's, I just enjoyed the team. I liked a lot of the players growing up. Like Lietzen was one of my guys. Really like Nani. 
even though Kodajma, I think, gets associated more with uh, with Porto. I love Ricardo Kodajma. He was just such a streets will never forget player. He was such a baller. Um, yeah, just kind of those players I really got attracted to. Moutinho until he decided to uh, break my heart and then go to go to Porto and have, have actual success. But, yeah, I think it was just kind of like my family. It was just one of the only things. It was Sporting and Betamar were kind of our two clubs, and I just kind of stuck with it and then toughed it out at times. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that run that Sporting had in 2005. And, you know, I, I really wanted them to win because uh, Porto had won the Europa League or the UEFA Cup at the time in 2003. And then mm-hmm. they won the Champions League in 2004. And I was like, you know, let's kind of keep this streak going with Portuguese clubs winning something in Europe. Yeah, I really wanted you guys to win um, when that. And I was, you know, I was kind of bummed out that you guys didn't because, you know, it was good for Portugal. Um but I do remember that game very well. Wagner Love, that guy, he scored a couple of games. And uh, I, I remember that game being really bizarre because Sporting took the lead. I think the guy's we, name was... We were leading at halftime, I think, as well. I, I think his name was Ruggeri. And I think when the game, uh, um, when Moscow took the lead 2-1, to one, uh, Ruggeri, who was the goal scorer, he missed a sitter right in front of the goal. It was, it was, the, it it was the that's post. what killed me. It was the counterattack of dreams. They had yeah. no, two guys in front of the net. They both missed an open goal. And then uh, Mo- CSK Moscow literally came right down the field yeah, and scored right like there. a brilliant counterattacking goal, like fair play to them. But it was like, of course, it's something about the net, open net in the Avalade is a bad omen. <laughs> learn over here and open that at the Avalon. Oh, that's not right. a good omen. That's right. Sporting was home that game. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, that. we were. It was in our home stadium. That something about the open nets at that stadium. If you have an open net at the Avalon, you're not scoring. Yeah. Uh, no. I always remember Sterling in the Champions League uh, when they did like the final eight in Lisboa during COVID. I remember Brian Ruiz against Benfica. The poor guy. You have, you have to try to miss the net there. Like, there's been a few other ones, but those ones are like the, the three most infamous ones that come to mind. Yeah, it's like something about there's some sort of curse on on the nets and having an open one in that stadium. Yeah, it's, uh, I do remember that, and you know, I, I obviously have family members that are Sporting fans, and they were just gutted when because it just the game just completely changed in a matter yeah. of a minute, less than a minute. It's crazy. It could have been equal. It could have been uh, equalized, but then Sporting ended up going down 2 nothing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, t- taking the two-goal lead, and we were done after that. We just yeah. couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, but let's go on to a little bit more positive stuff. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your team, all right? Yeah. Uh, tied for first place. You guys, I, I know we talked about it right before we were recording that the big three this year, none of them have been – as promising or convincing, I guess the word convincing, but yeah. I would want to say that Sporting is a little bit more convincing than the other two, you know, tied for first place with us. And some, I'm kind of shocked that we're there with you guys. Uh, we've had a kind of like a crazy roller coaster season, but you know, you guys are doing pretty good and um, you did well in the Europa League, finishing in second uh, place, going into the knockout stages. You're still in the Tasa de Liga. You're in all the competitions. Tasa de Portugal yeah. too. This time last year, we were like, we were out, like we were out of the title race. Tasa Liga was like kind of our only hope. We were, we had dropped down to Europa League after early disappointing Champions League campaign. Uh, we were already out of the Tasa Portugal at our first goal. We lost to a, like a third or fourth division club. Like, last year was just a disaster season. Like, there was just nothing that could salvage it. 
this year it's kind of been a much different story on all fronts. I just think one, they haven't had the injuries. They haven't had it. They didn't lose any major key players like last year, like losing Mateus Nunes right before the Classico against Porto last year killed us. Yep. And I said before that game, I said if we lose the Classico, I think the season's done because that's just going to be a bad omen for us uh, last year. But yeah, we're we look good. I think Paulinho's got some confidence back, which is great. Uh, Jokeres has come in and just taken the league by storm. I think having depth at striker, depth at winger this year especially has really helped them. They were really lacking in all departments. Like we saw use of Shermiti minutes at one point. Right. Um, how we've scammed Everton out of like 13 million uh, euros for him, I'll never know, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, I think everyone's just been firing on all cylinders for the most part. Like even Ricardo Gallo up until the last like couple weeks was looking like like a decent player. Um, so like everyone's just looked good. No one's looked particularly bad except for Antonio Adan. And we're on our podcast. The joke is like, fuck Antonio Adan. We just cannot stand that guy. <laughs> I'm like, look, he won us a title. He was phenomenal for about a year and a half, two years. He's been bad this year. I think he's cost. I think the games against uh, the games in the Europa League against Atlanta were really down to him. I think we could have taught the group and avoided the playoff if we had a better keeper. Um there's been a couple, just how the game against Guimaraes, he just made like two unforgivable mistakes on the goals last week, which would have really made this title race a little interesting on our end because we could have been three or four points up and first with like kind of some wiggle room and like, okay, if we draw or tie another game, like there's, you know, it's not the end yeah. of the world. You have that cushion. Um, yeah, we, that's just it. You always, especially like early on the season, like in this league, you like to try and build a cushion because when you get to the, I find we always get the, um, like the tough games bundled up. Like we had Benfica, then we had Vitoria the Guimaraes, and then we have you guys, right? Yep. So it's like those are three tough games in a row in the next half of the season as well. You want to kind of build your points up and try to get them as early as possible. So when you get to those tougher games in the latter half of the season, yep. you don't have to worry. It's not as stressful. You don't have to worry as much. Like I was the sporting fan. We won the – when we had our title winning season a few years ago, the COVID year, um, we're running the numbers every every week. Like we're doing like strenuous math calculations. <laughs> like fuck, if we tie this game and then we go into this game, <laughs> and then fuck, we're gonna go. We're gonna go in the study lose Benfica second last week. We're gonna lose that game, and then we're gonna go to Maritimu, who caused the Alcochet attacks in the last game. We're gonna tie that. Put on Porto's gonna be champions. That's it. We're it's done. Like we're already like doom and gloom thinking, right? Yep, so that's yep. the thing. Like this in Portuguese football, like it's not early on until you're getting the calculator and doing the math, whether it's in the league or for the Slasal usually you it's it's just a force of habit so i think i think we've we're coming in in so so form i know you guys are coming in in so so form as well so it's going to be an interesting game um like we said before the show i don't think any of the big teams have looked particularly strong i think we've all looked good at times but we also all look pretty bad and very beatable at times as well i mean you guys entered the toss of the league already estoril has been your boogeyman this year so far it seems yeah. And you've drawn them in the toss as well. So have fun with that. Yeah. They've been a real uh, thorn in your side. But, uh, you know, we can't complain. We dropped points to Guimarães this past week. We had that brutal loss to Benfica right at the end. Um, it, it's anybody's. It's still anybody's game. I think even a loss in this game is not the end of the world. Like, I think if if Porto comes out of this and they don't win, it's still only like going to be a three point deficit to make up. It's not like it's going to be five or six or seven points. And there's yep. a lot of football left. 
Yeah, you made some really interesting points about the whole calculations of when, you know, you're whether it's before going into a season or you're in the season, you're trying to figure out if you're actually going to, yeah. oh, we're in first place, but this is what we have to do. Oh, we're going to draw yeah. Benfica, whatever. You know, it's it's so true. And, and you, you made some great points about, you know, always wanting to get that cushion ahead, uh, ahead of the curb. You know, I felt that the reason why we became champions a couple of years ago, we were a really good team, and so was Spartan. Spartan was really capable of winning that game. I thought you guys had a very uh, good team that season. Going into that game in February, uh, where we drew 2-2 two two at the Dragon, um, I think even if we had lost that game, we still had a little bit of a cushion because we had a six-point lead because we were playing so well throughout yeah. the entire season. And that's what's so important, just getting and maximizing – uh, these results early on in the season. So when you go and play against Spartan, when you go and play against uh, Benfica and even Braga too, because Braga can just spoil your parade. They've real had quick. all of our numbers in yeah. recent years, right? Like they're a pain in the ass team. You always want to get ahead of the curb. So even if we did lose that game, um, there was still a good chance that we were going to be champions. You know, it, it wasn't a deciding factor. So that's always very important. Um, so I know you kind of hinted on it, but Sporting, as you mentioned, they uh, I said this from the beginning, and this was before uh, Matilda's Nunes left last season. I had, I thought it was going to be a three, uh, three-way race between um, the, the big three. Um, and... S- I really felt bad for Ruben Amorim after the way that Mateus Nunes left because I thought he was en- he was going to end up staying. And then in January, Pedro Porro goes, and it, it, like all hell just broke loose. And once it you was, lose yeah. João Palhinha, who is excellent, and then you lose Mateus Nunes on the last day of the transfer window or close to the last day of the transfer yeah, window. Yeah, it didn't was play right against near Porto. the end. You know, I, I was like, wow, they, this team just got completely jerked. Um, what are the differences this year? Um, I know Giorgis has been an animal, the guy's from a different planet and he's playing out of his mind, but I feel like this is a more collective group as well, even outside of, uh, that transfer. Uh, what is, what are the differences from this Spartan team compared to last year? I think, I think there's a couple things. I think our midfield is healthy. As well, we had some injuries like Daniel Braganza missed the whole of last season. Yep. So when he's come on, he's been a bit of a bright spot here and there. Um, I think Morita having another season under his belt in Portugal. He's he's one of he's one of my favorite signings we've had. He's been fantastic most games up more often than not. I think the additions of Hulman as well. He he kind of gives me that bit of a bit of a Palinha Ugart kind of vibe. Like he's just such a difficult midfielder he's just always flying into challenges wins the ball back but he's also such a progressive player and like he just wants to get the ball forward very quickly and advance play whereas like when when i found we had uh, joel Mario in our in our midfield a couple years ago it it was almost like every attack as soon as he got the ball every attack slowed down i'm like you have legs use them like, yeah. come on he just slowed every attack that mifika fans are kind of seeing that this season he's regressed a lot um but yeah, I think that's been the big difference is just the midfield alone. I think having two strikers that can play on any given day that are like starting capable strikers and Paulinho and Joquetas has really been helpful. Obviously, Joquetas has been phenomenal this season, but Paulinho has gone a bit under the radar because he has a lot of haters in the sporting kind of yeah. on sporting Twitter. But I think he's looked really good. I think his because there's less pressure on him, he's probably just 
he feels that bit of relief, so he's performing a bit better. And because I think players are starting to focus more on Jokadas uh, on the attack, when especially when they're both playing up front, it's allowing Paulinho to kind of slip under the radar, slip into space behind defenders, neither get a get a scoring opportunity or create an opportunity. Um, Edwards has looked very good this season. I really like him. He started off a bit slow, but he's been very good. I think the only disappointing players for most sporting fans this season would probably be Adan. I think Pedro Gonzalez is such a... I've always said he's a streaky player, but this year, more so than ever, he's looked really streaky. And I think today, Cal's been a bit of a letdown for the price we got him for as well. Um, but there does seem to be a bit more of just a collective, like us against the world mentality that was that yeah. we kind of had during that COVID year and even the year when we were in the title race with Porto uh, that season after. I think that mentality is kind of back a bit. I think the only real weaknesses on this team right now is in goal. I think we have a better goalie. We probably don't drop points. I think we're still lacking in the fullback wingback position because it's Isgayo and kind of Nuno Sanchez and Mateus Reis on the left. And then Isgayo on the right, and then sort of Ivan Frigneda, who's really not got any starting time, and then he's also been hurt, apparently. So I think that's the only real problem issues. And obviously, uh, Jeremiah St. Juice getting hurt. Um, thankfully, we have thankfully we have Kawats for this game. I'm happy. I thought Inacio was going to get suspended in the last game. I think he'll get his fifth yellow this game. That's my prediction. I don't think anyone's going to get sent off. I think Inacio will get his fifth, his fifth yellow set next game. Um, so we have some depth. The only issue is come January, we will be losing a couple players as well. I know that Diamande, unless he gets hurt, will absolutely be going to African Cup of Nations to represent uh, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. And then we'll also be using Jenny Katama, who's been a very pleasant surprise as well this season. Um, has just brought such great energy to the to the field. Um, whether he's been playing in, at that right wing back or even up in the wing or kind of in the midfield. He's just been great and, and a fun thing, but he'll be he'll also be there at the African combinations for Mozambique. So we'll be missing two guys who have been relatively key players for us so far this season in January. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think the difference maker just guys have been mostly healthy this season. Some guys have found their form. We've got guys that are just uh, like smart additions and Hulman and uh, Joker is coming in. I think that's kind of been the difference is we invest, we spent a lot of money too. Like two of our record signings were this window and Joker is and Hulman. Yep. Like we don't, we don't usually spend the money like Benfica. Like no one spends the money in Portugal like Benfica does. Uh, they just, they just splash the cash. So for us to drop 20 million each on two players was very shot, like very shocking, but very pleasant surprise for me. Yep. And they've, and they've paid off very quickly. They're definitely going to get that return for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right, so let's jump into this game, okay? Um, you know, there's a lot at stake here. Well, I yeah. mean, it's early on, so is it the end of the world if it goes south for one of us? No, but no. you always want to get ahead of the curve, right, as as we were talking about earlier. So what is it that Spartink needs to do in this game to really get the result that they want? What do you expect? I think, I think for us, I think Porto has a good midfield. I love Steven Eustachio. It's my Canadian boy. Um, I think Porto has a good midfield. I think Porto defensively, even though they've looked weird at times, I think you guys still do an okay job. I think for Sporting, I think the biggest thing is we like to make a lot of extra passes some games. We almost look for the, the nice-looking play as opposed to the simple play. So I think just 
keeping keeping things simple will be nice. I think trying to keep a level head because these games always kind of I, I hate these games sometimes they always devolve into shoving matches and shouting matches. And I feel like if you can keep at least a bit of a level head and let the other guys do all the yelling and shouting, you just kind of sit back and let them let them get get the ref pissed off. You're fine because uh, the refs in Portugal are very notorious for just either putting up with everything or putting up with nothing. It's it's one it's very much one extreme or the other. So I think you just try not to get baited into any stupid shit. Just try to stay calm. Remember, like you're at home as well, so like it's it's not going to be as much of a hostile environment. I know the Avalad's got a bit of a reputation at times being a bit of a library without kind of the ultras yep. last couple of years, but it's actually been pretty good this season. I will say, I think just because it's early and we we still have lots to play for. Um, yeah, I think if they can just keep things simple, they don't try to make too much of it i think if they just stay calm they try not to get baited in any stupid things and just try not to get into those those arguments those shoving matches i think they'll be okay because yeah. i find that the games where they've been baited out in those game like for that this season is the games they've dropped the points in when yeah. they when they kind of fall for those little those two gal little trick tricks you know and playing against porto where uh we're pretty good at baiting our oppositions into doing you guys have shit. always had that's the one thing porto's <laughs> always had great shit house players they're they, you guys have always had players that like i fucking hated playing against yeah but man i'd love that guy on my team right like if i could take if i could take pep on my team you know i'm taking that otavio when he was playing for porto i would have loved him on my team he was amazing yeah i hated playing against him because he was a shit disturber but like he was also like a really good player, and I'm like, damn it! Like, why you got to play for? Why you got to yeah. play for the opposition? I almost like you. <laughs> yeah, you just love him when he's on your team, but you would yeah. hate him if you played against him. And I, honestly, I'd be on board with that because yeah, that you you see him on TV. I can only I can only imagine what he's like on the field. Otavi was just a pest, and just like oh yeah, just his way of like starting shit and having that sarcastic smile and laugh and like having these little like uh, you know. Uh, I'd love Words. to like just to be a fly in the building and just be able to look here like what kind of bullshit he's saying to someone on the right. field. Like I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean uh, Porto is. Uh, I mean I think that's the advantage, and I think that's a, an advantage that we have that we have really good shit stirrers, and I think we it's kind of like that Porto mentality. Just kind of we kind of always had that us against the world because it's like oh we're from the north and you know the whole north and. You know, yeah, the, the north, center the part of Portugal or whatever. Thing. So it's um, they always the the Porto uh, culture is like they're kind of like I've always when I try to describe it to uh, people, I look at Porto as like the Winterfell, like from uh, Game of Thrones. They're like <laughs> yeah, the Winterfell yeah. of Portugal, where like people from Winterfell are like from up north, and they're just kind of like the tough people. They eat with their bare hands, not with forks yeah. and knives, you know. So um, that's always been that culture, and, and Porto ever loses that 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 gotta like mentality. It's then they're not Porto anymore. So uh, that definitely needs to come out. On my end, we need to bring that intensity, that resiliency. If things do go south at some point in the game, Porto is always that team that never really backs down when their back is up against the wall. So uh, we need to play tough. We need to play hard. Uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be a game that's going to be battled in the midfield. As you mentioned, Porto yeah. has a good midfield, but so does Sporting. And they have some really tough, tough, hardworking midfielders. So uh, it's going to be I, – I don't really know what to make of how this is going to play out, but it, I think the midfield is going to play a huge part. And one thing that Porto really needs to do is just not make 
these dumb mistakes that lead to goal. Uh, you look at us statistically uh, on defense, we have the best defense in Portugal, and I'm putting that in quotation marks. Um, statistically, but, yes. But statistically, to the, right? uh, to the naked eye. But when you're watching them and you see the goals that they let up this year, it's like WTF moments. It's like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, it's simple, basic, fundamental mistakes that you're just allowing the other team to score, allowing the other team to get the lead or to get back into this game. And when you look at Sporting's attack, especially the counterattack, um, you guys are really efficient up top, and you have that guy that is ready to score at any time. Giorgis has been an animal this year. So there's no room for error when you're, when you're playing against a team like that. And I don't know, it's, it's going to be a tough one. I will say you have a coach as well that like your players will just fucking die for Like I, I, Sergio Conceição is a shithead and he pissed me off, but I'm also like, that's a coach I would like, cause he can get it. He reminds me of Mourinho a bit where he can just get it. If he can get a team behind him, they'll run through a brick wall for him. Yeah, he's just he has that ability. I think that's why a couple years when we were in that title race, I think that's just what Porto had was they had that fuck you mentality, and we're just gonna go, we're gonna just bust our asses every day, every game. It might not be pretty, but we're gonna do it. I think that's a lot of that does come down to the coach. I think Conceição is a brilliant coach in that regard. He gets a lot out of those players. He gets the most out of them, I think. Yeah, and he makes he makes average players have their moments. Yeah. like Zaidu a couple of years ago. He's god awful of a football player. But I give any sort of success that that guy had credit to Sergio Conceição. Yeah. That goal against Benfica, you know, to add a that's, legend- that's legendary. Stuff. Of all people, it was him that did it. Um, but even other players, like role players, I, I really believe that Steven Ostakiu, I've always felt that he was a talented player, mm-hmm. but I really think he's maximized his ceiling because of playing at Porto and because of that culture, that mentality that they have, but like having a coach like Sergio Conceição is, I feel like he is a typical Sergio Conceição player or like a Mourinho type player. Uh, really hardworking, really aggressive. And just, I don't know. He, he just, he, he was meant to wear the blue and white. You know what I mean? I know. And I hate to say that because I, when you signed him, I was really pissed because I really like Steph Eustachio being selfishly Canadian. I wanted my Canadian boy on, on sporting. But I thought he's going to – my initial thought when he went to Portugal was he's going to do very well there, I think. Yeah. Especially when Conceição was, was coaching. I'm like, he's. I think he's a Conceição player as well. And I, I, to your point, I think Conceição gets so much out of them. And it's he's learning from such a like a smart football mind. I just hate that it's for you guys. I wish it was for us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's keep it into the coaching vein before we get back into the game. Um, Ruben Amorim, what are your thoughts on him? I know last year, and I don't think it was his fault. I defended Ruben Amorim last season. It was not all his fault. I think that guy got jerked. Uh, What do you you make of him uh, this year, and what do you make of his entire tenure at Sporting? I... I'm on two sides. I think Ruben Amonim is a very smart football mind. I think I like what I like from him as opposed to a lot of other Portuguese coaches that we've got, especially recently is he's very calm. Like he doesn't stir a lot of bullshit in the press. Like George Jesus, when he coached Benfica and then coached us as much as I love George Jesus as a coach, he always had to have the last word in the press. And that drove me nuts. It was like, sometimes the best thing to say is just not say anything, just leave it. So I like I like that from him. I think he's very smart tactic. I think bringing 
the 3-4-3 to Sporting, basically playing three center backs, has revitalized Sebastian Kowach completely, where he's now at the like the status of club legend uh, yeah. because of that system, because that system we play, and it just benefits him so well. I like the style of football that he plays. It's very free-flowing, very fun to watch when it's, when it's working. That being said, he's a stubborn man sometimes. He he loves Ricardo Gallo. That's his guy. That's his boy. That's his ride or die. I don't know why. And look, Ricardo Gallo, I'll even say he's actually looked okay this season compared to yeah. last season. Um, but still, like that that shouldn't be your ride or die, Ricardo Gallo. So he just he he does play favorite sometimes, um, to his detriment a little bit. Uh, I will say overall, I like him as a coach. I don't think last season can be pinned completely on him. It just there was zero planning. Everything for their transfer window was very last minute, was very rushed. Yep. I think this year the planning's been better. I think he's had more he's had more input, the kind of input he had uh when he first started at Sporting, um, in terms of the personnel, in terms of players he wanted to sign, which I think is is great. I think he has a great eye for talent as as does uh Hugo Viana, who's kind of our Verandes' right hand man. He he just he's just he plays favorites. I think that's my only real criticism of him. He's a smart coach. He will go on for sure to do bigger and better things. I would think. I think he has everything capable to be one of those next Portuguese coaches that takes a big step. Um, certainly, I think him and Conceição will not be here in Portugal at least in the next two years, probably three years max, yeah. depending on what they want to do with their careers. I know he's very happy. In, in Lisboa right now, he's very happy uh, with sporting for the time being, but things can change in a hurry. I'm not in a rush to get rid of him, but I think if he has a, a very successful season, if he hauls in some silverware, I think he might be gone at the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a really talented coach. Yeah. Um, I think he's a bit more tactically um, sound than Sergio Conceição, but Sergio has that way like more of a motivating type coach that mm-hmm. can kind of just bring out these average star players and just have them do well you know just yeah. kind of gets the most out of players where i always think that amudin is a very tactically smart player i mean a coach that could obviously make his players play better mm-hmm. too all right let's move on to the game all right let's go so Sporting. Who are Sporting's top three players that Porto need to watch? And on your end, who are three players from Porto that Sporting need to watch? Who do I think you need to watch from Sporting? I, I think Jokeres is just a given. Yeah. Like that's like the, the free spot in bingo. Uh, I think Marcus Edwards would probably be the one I would be very worried about. Um, he's just... When he's when he's having a good game, just the whole team seems to follow suit. Like he he can just pull he can be doing nothing and then just pull a moment of brilliance and just dance around like half your team in no time and create a wicked scoring chance. I think that's someone that Porto should be very concerned about. I think as well, I'm trying to think who else we could put. As much as I want to say Pot Pot hasn't been great this season. I might say Hulman just because he's gonna be the difference in that midfield battle. I know it's a recency bias me, but I think he's – I think Porto fans will get a taste of him, and he's going to give you flashbacks to, like, the Joel Pinas and Manuel Lugarts of uh, of the world. He's He just reminds me of them so much. He's so strong. And even though he probably won't get on the score here, though he scored a couple bangers this season, um, 
I think you'll notice more in the midfield like he's just almost like that pest of a midfielder. He's just always on you as soon as you get the ball, or he's always got the ball. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be my three for Sporting to watch out for. I think from Porto, I think Tadami for sure. Tadami always seems to score against us. Um, he just loves the game against Sporting. Uh, he's also got you know some of his little shenanigans around sometimes in the penalty area, but yeah. who doesn't? Who doesn't in Portugal? Uh, I think Tadami would be the big one. I do think Eustachio is very good. I think he'll be. I think if he has a good game, Porto will follow suit as well. I find when he's playing well, the team plays well. Uh, I think for for Porto as well. I think my last player. I'm trying to think because there's a few. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe Galeno because Galeno yeah, is a very tricky winger. He can score from just about anywhere when he wants to, um, and I think he can cause a lot of problems coming up that wing for whoever has to defend against him. Like, whoever defends against Galano, you're usually having a long day. Yeah, and he's uh, super underrated on the defensive end as well. He does a lot, a lot of dirty work. He, he, I've noticed that even during his time at Braga, he works his ass off. He runs yeah. his ass off. And it's not like Tiak Tomas syndrome when we had him, which is he's running a lot, but it's because he's out of position. No, Galeno's running back because, like, he's just, he's there to run. He's not out of position all the time usually. Whereas Tiago Tomas for us, it's like, man, he runs. I'm like, yeah, because he's nowhere where he need, where he needs to be. He's he's on the wrong side of the pitch. Yeah, like, that's yep. why. But I thought like, Galano, especially on the defensive side, really, really strong. He runs his ass off to get back, and I appreciate that from him. Yeah, the uh, the wingers on uh, both sides in this game, they're gonna have. Uh, I mean, they should have a field day. I mean, both of our teams have. I don't want. I mean defensively we don't really have the best wing backs right no no i think i think <laughs> if you look at both teams i think wing back is probably the position where we're both lacking a lot of yeah and that's probably where benfica maybe has both teams beat is actually in wing back yep oh even season, that, I, think, I mean even for, i mean even jonathan then, is, uh, is pretty good but yeah uh, their left back situation is yeah is just as bad as ours so yeah, I, I, I think I think wing back. I know Nuno Sanchez is up for a Puskas award, but Nuno Sanchez is one of those players I love him, and he's kind of our shit house player. But either either he has a really good game or he doesn't. He's very hot and cold player as well. Sometimes um, we'll find out if he's starting what kind of Nuno Sanchez we get. But yeah, I think wing back is for both teams kind of our two our weak points. So ideally, I think you're right. I think the wingers should, in theory, have have a bit of field and should have no time whipping in crosses or trying to get into the box and create a chance. Yeah. So, I mean, Porto can't, we can't be squandering opportunities. We can't be letting up dumb mistakes. It's like the fundamentals. It's like when you go into this game, it's what you expect from your team. Like even as a Spartan yeah. fan, you're going to be like, all right, defense should don't make, do anything stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like you fuck around. Don't find like we don't want to find out. Don't find like, out. Yeah. <laughs> Can I give some advice for Porto? Good strategy. Just fire it on net and hope, and hope because we've got a keeper who can't who can barely catch a ball. We were we were in our sporting group chat and uh, someone shared sporting will share like the pregame videos of like the guys warming up as every team does, and they're showing Antonio Don warming yeah. up. I'm like Jesus Christ, they're like, well, like he can't even catch a ball. He's just palming it away. I'm like bro, it's right at you. Catch the ball. Like come on. So I think Porto, just just shoot at the net. You might get a nice little frangu from uh, from Adan. Yeah, he's, thankfully he's liable. He's liable for one almost every couple weeks. Yeah, thankfully we don't have that issue. Diego Costa has been 
I mean, we've our defense has let him out to dry quite a few times this year, and yeah. I, I feel bad it spoiled quite a few clean sheets for uh, for him. But he's been pretty excellent. Uh, he's been stopping pretty much everything that's been savable. Yeah, and I know a lot of a lot of fans have criticized because I guess you guys haven't looked great at times because some of the results have shown that. But I think a lot of fans are pinning a, a bit too much of that blame on Dio Costa. Yeah, at times I'm like he like he's been he has been hung out to dry a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably one. There's definitely a few goals you probably like to have back, but it happens. I think two people just their their minds are still frozen at the uh, the last World Cup, where like he didn't look bad by any stretch, but he had yeah like, he, one bad moment against best. Morocco. Yeah, he didn't he, have the he didn't best, have best, but he had a he had a bad moment against Morocco, and then like the other goals that got scored from him, like I'm sorry, but the Man City boys on defense hung him out to dry. Yeah, and <laughs> I'll die on that hill. At, like. at the end of the day, too, it's he's young. I, I mean, during the World Cup, he was 22, 22 years old. I, is, and I've said this too. That is super he, young for a goalkeeper. He at twenty two makes far less mistakes than Rui Patricio did at twenty two. Yeah. Oh Rui yeah. Rui Patricio was like the savior for that. Was supposed to be the savior for Sporting in the national team. As yeah. someone who watched Rui Patricio's literal ascent from when he just came on one game against Pach Ferreira because we had no goalies. As like an eighteen or nineteen year old, watched him at an under twenty World Cup in Canada, to like where he is now. Dio Costa makes far less mistakes than Rui Patricio. Yeah. Rui Patricio took it took him till the age of like twenty eight to figure out how to field a cross. Yeah. Like Dio Costa, for the most part, like I trust him in most aspects of the game. Yeah, I think uh, in his ball playing ability is is sublime, mm-hmm. really, really good, and he doesn't. I'm make surprised too many... he's still there. Yeah, he, no, yeah, not but, not to be rude, but I'm just I'm surprised a big team hasn't snatched him up yet. No, you're absolutely right. A lot of us, uh, a lot of us thought he was going to be gone this summer, um, and even some of us thought he was going to leave last January because that's what yeah. the club does sometimes, just sells people in the middle of the season. But thankfully, that didn't happen. I'm happy he's here for at least one more season. If we can hold on to him for one more, that would be amazing. But uh, he's been great. I think he's a excellent. I think he's just getting better, even though he's not getting the the consecutive goalkeeper of the month awards like he did uh, last year and a couple of years ago. I think there's a lot of good goalies in Portugal yeah, too. Exactly, I think, you know. and a lot of it has to happen. Like uh, I think it would have happened had Porto's defense not messed up so many times mm-hmm. this year. Uh, they really let him out to dry quite a few times, and some of the half, at least half the goals were not even at all his fault or anything like that. So. I don't know. We're going to have to see. I'm happy that we still have them. And I think, you know, in games like this, you need to have goalkeepers make these big saves. So you want someone reliable in that. Yeah. Like, Cause this is the, these are the type of games where like some goalies just crumble at times. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's jump in to the best part of the show. The Twitter questions. We got quite oh, a sweet. few of them. Uh, our first question comes from Luciano Feltrin at L Feltrin 98. What are your predictions for the game? Oh, I've gone back and forth on this a lot of times. Like I predicted on our show, on our show this past week, two, one. And then I've kind of flipped off to one, like a two, one sparkling win. And then I flip flop to one, one Then I flip flop back to yeah. we were going to lose. I, I think it'll, it's going to be a draw. I just, yeah. I have that feeling. I feel like it's going to be almost a battle of attrition. It's going to be like a stalemate at times. I think it's going to be like a 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two draw. Um, I don't think we're going to see any red cards from anybody on the field. We'll probably see someone get kicked off from the bench, though. That's my <laughs> prediction. I think so- someone's yeah, going to – like one of the – one or one or both managers is getting kicked out of this game. 
because this yeah. game brings out the absolute worst in Sergio if Porto's Conte losing, Sal. If Porto's losing, Conte Sal's definitely getting a run. Conte Sal's Conte Sal yeah. is the biggest shit. Like he will try to, he will do what that president in Turkey did to ref. He'll try to punch her up. Yeah, no. like he'll lose his <laughs> mind. He's got no temper. He was like that as a player though too. He had such a short fuse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm predicting one, one or two, two. I, I think it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I think uh, I was I was going to go with two, two in this one. Uh, if someone does win, it's going to be three to two. I feel like this game, I don't know, with with Yorkes and Sporting being really well in the attack this year, and Porto finally finding their stride on the attack and capitalizing their opportunities. I think we're going to see some goals in this game. So I'm going to go with a two, two draw, and I'll be okay with that because we're on the road and it's a big game. So if it was at home at the Dragão, I would expect a win. But yeah. uh, I think I can. Uh, I, I think I'll be all right with a two-two draw on this one. I'm going to go with that. That's fair. And like the Alvalade's not quite the fortress it used to be. It's certainly not the same atmosphere as a Porto Benfica game, um, just because of our relationship with the ultras and stuff and the way that's gone. But it's gotten better this year. Um, but yeah, I think two-two is probably a fair result at this point. And then nothing really changes much in the table, depending on the Braga Benfica game, right? Like, yeah, yeah. All right, next question comes from Artur Georges Bigov at Viva <laughs> underscore La <laughs> underscore Vida. Apologies if this has been asked before. In your okay. opinions, who is the best player to ever played for both these Ooh. these great Portuguese Ooh. sides? There's a few to aid the conversation. Here is a list. There's, I mean, we had. I think just on recency, but I know Moutinho is one of the first names. I think Moutinho is was such a great midfielder for both teams. Had success, obviously had more success with Porto, but still had won like a few cups yeah. and super tosses with Sporting. Um, I think if you're gonna go, I guess older, I think Paulo Futra would probably be up there. Yeah. Um, he was a great Porto player. I'm sure uh, Fernando Gomes, who recently passed away as well, would probably be on that list. I'm trying to think who else. That's like the first. Oh, yeah. I know there's some lesser guys like Marat Ijmailov and like Lietzen. Yeah. No, like you're, oh, you're missing You're missing a real big one. I've, oh, Korajma too. No, Kodajma no, there's another one. one. Who am I'll I get, forgetting? Dude, Mario Jardel, man. Oh my God, Jardel. You know why? Because I wasn't really like, I was too young to really appreciate Jardel. I was like yeah. four or five years old. So yeah, Mario Jardel, I think. You know what? Yeah, I think it's Mario Jardel because he won Golden Boot with both clubs. Actually, he won titles. Yeah, with both that's teams right. As well. Yeah, yeah, real, real good point. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of portistas say that Fernando Gomes was a better player than Mario Jardel. But if you want to say like the greatness between both clubs, I think Mario Jardel had an incredible career with Porto. But then he, he had yeah, arguably he won, his he best won significant ever stuff with both. Yeah, and he w- arguably had his best season ever. Uh, with Sparta. I mean, he had the 42 yeah. goals in like 30 games, which is insane. Just, uh, ridiculous. Like, yeah, I think I think it might be Jardinell, actually. That's a good shit. I forgot about Jardinell. Danny, my, our buddy Danny on the on, on my show is going to get pissed me for forgetting Jardinell. So he's going to lose his mind. Yeah. Like, was, how could you forget yeah. Jardinell? Yeah, he he, I think I think it might be Jardinell. Yeah. It but there's, there's a few. There's like several, like really, like the guys we list, like they're all really good players outside of Ismailov and like Lee Edson. Yeah, I know. Fernando Gomes went towards like the latter of his career. Uh, to yeah, he, he was, was still he was good, but he wasn't where he was at Porto. Um, Fernando, uh, not Fernando Gomes. Um, uh, Paulo Futre was, I think, he was a Sporting Youth Academy. Probably. He was a sport Sporting Youth player, and like he left after like 
Yeah. I think a year after playing for a senior team, I associate him a bit. I associate him a bit more with Porto than I do with Sporting, yeah. but I know Sporting loves him still because he's one of their big kind of academy guys, and that's kind of our thing we always hang our hat on. Yep. Uh, but I, I always associate him more with Porto and their success, especially in like in the eighties and all that. I, I always associate more with Porto than Sporting. There's guys I associate that like equally with both or more than one or the other. But he, I associate more with you guys than us. And uh, Rui George too. There's more players, but Rui George. Rui George, also... I forgot about yeah, Rui George. Yeah, I always associate few... him as a Sporting guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do too because I think he was a he was more he was a better player I think at Sporting, even though he won some stuff with Porto, but he wasn't always the he wasn't always the guy. Um, yeah. I think it was like Branco. Oh, I forgot his first name, but he was like a Brazilian legend um, yes. that played with us. But uh, yeah, a lot of players. You know, Liette's there's a lot. There's a lot of guys that have traversed between like two or all of the big three at some point. Derlei, Derlei played. Derlei, we had Derlei for like a year, and we didn't yeah. win, like two years. We didn't win shit with them, but <laughs> I love Derlei. He was a lot of fun. Yeah, so it's a great yeah, question. I really enjoyed him. Great question. That was a fun one. I like that. Next one comes from CDB at CD Baruch eight. Question. It's UFC 300. Co-headline fight is Otavio versus Nuno Santos. Who you got on your betting line and what's the fight outcome? Oh, that's an interesting See those guys in the octagon. Those guys, it'd just be a slap fight. (laughs) Um, I really want to say Nuno Santos, but I think it might go to... It's it's going to decision. No one's getting a knockout. It's going to a decision. It's probably going to be a split decision just in favor of Otavio. I think Otavio does enough shithousery to uh, to get a split decision, unfortunately, on my end. But yeah. it's a close fight. It's a clo- It's really close. It comes down like right to the end. Yeah, like uh, I could see Otavio being the uh, Brazilian, or actually Portuguese, because he's not with Portuguese, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you could, I could see him being the the Portuguese McGregor. You know, like you'll do it's fucking kind of nothing. Out, <laughs> like, it would be an excellent. You're doing nothing, just kind of dancing around, <laughs> talking shit, and the Akon's like, "Bro, throw a punch." <laughs> <laughs> you'll do nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. I could see that. I don't know who would win, but yeah, I'll go with I'll. Someone will win, but it will be a, a, a decision for sure. Yeah. After, what is it, five rounds or whatever it is? Yeah, if it's like a main event or call me, it's usually five rounds. It's going to come to a split decision, I would say, regardless. Yeah, I'll go with that. Split decision. I don't know who, but. Okay. All right. Matt's at Matt's Attack 9. For Richard, what are your thoughts on my fellow countryman, Marcus Edwards, this season? Imagine if we see him versus Danny Namasu for the Portus boys. Which of these buttons would you press uh, for me? It's yellow for sure. I'll get to the second question in a second. So what are your thoughts on uh, Marcus Edwards? Marcus Marcus has been one of our best players this season, I would say. He's... He's a player who he's he's a bit streaky, but man, when he's on, he just does brilliant stuff that not a lot of players can do. Um, I'm a bit surprised he hasn't moved on to a bigger club yet, but I think that's just because he hasn't had a full season where he's consistently put it together night in, night out. Um, he's been a lot of he's a lot of fun to watch. I expect him to probably be gone at the end of the season if he continues kind of his play. He's been ang- he's been kind of sort of angling for a move back to England. Probably Tottenham wouldn't shock me as a Tottenham boy. Um, I think we'll. I think he's going to be one of those players we'll see in the Premier League sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, he just 
he's such a good dribbler on the ball. He's got the speed. Um, he's still got to work on his finishing a bit, but man, he's had some good finishes still. Um, I think he just got, I think it's just a matter of being able to put everything together consistently for him. And he still does fall into the trap that a lot of young players do when they're highly skillful of getting guilty of doing a bit too much, too many tricks or not passing when he should. Uh, we've seen that with a lot of players, especially coming out of Portugal, like Nani was really guilty of that. Uh, when he was younger, I found Ronaldo was guilty of that, especially when he was younger. Kodajma Still guilty too. of that sometimes. Kudasma, yep. like a lot of the a lot of the skillful players, get into that bad habit sometimes. I think if he can kind of break that habit a bit and just be a bit more consistent overall, I think he's going to be in the prem this time next season. I don't think he's even going to be on on this team. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a wonderful player. I think yeah. uh, you know it, he was uh, always a question mark because he was at Tottenham and never it never really worked. Never out really there. broke through, and, and, and then he went to Guimarães. And he went to Guimarães, and you're like, oh, this kid's finished. Come on, like he's who goes washed. From, who goes from you're the going from to Tottenham to Guimarães. That's all. That's a downward move usually. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's played out really well for him, mm-hmm. and he's doing well at Sporting, and and look where look, look how he's doing. He's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's. I'm gonna factor you in on this question too. I know he uh, right. Matt's asked uh, us to answer but you can answer this one too so we okay ask. i got the i've got the picture up as well I yeah I, I, I just pulled i just pulled it up so <laughs> matt's uh posted a picture and he asked the question which of these buttons would you press for me it's the yellow for sure so the yellow button is uh you play one match for your team and score the winning goal against your biggest rivals the red button is your team wins the champions league this year but gets relegated okay uh blue button is your team signs Lionel messi Green, your team thrashes their main rivals every time they play. Pink, your team plays the most entertaining football but never wins a title. Might as well just be a Braga fan at that point. And then <laughs> the black button is get a lifetime season ticket to your club. All right. Let me figure. I know which ones I'm going to eliminate right off the bat. I'm eliminating Pink yep. because I've already had that with George Zeus. So that's fine. I almost want to new, do the nuclear option. Say I'll win a Champions League, get relegated because I'll. I may. I don't think I'll ever see us win a Champions League. Like I'm happy with. I said I'll take a Conference League at this point, even if we have to put up with the shit talking of getting relegated. I don't even care because I'll be like, yeah, well, we want a Champions, Champions League. League. But and the Champions best thing, League. The best thing about that is like when you win the Champions League, you still get to play in the Champions play, League. Yeah, even as second. So division. so you know what? You'll get a you know you'll get a Segunda Division trophy champion you'll, yeah you'll play the champions league. we'll bounce back up we might get another domestic cup the following year anyways like who cares i'll take i'll take champions league if i can guarantee my team wins the champions league i'm yeah. taking that option yeah because you have that one year of being kings of europe that's uh, yeah like i'm never like that's one of those things like i'll die and go to heaven like i'll, I'll take that actually I, I think that's happened uh before it has <laughs> happened before it happened to uh to, i believe it happened to marseille in 93 yes. when they won the the Champions League but they got relegated because I guess they cheated or match it was fixed. like mad it was doping it was all doping. kinds it was like yeah. doping and match fix it was everything yeah so uh <laughs> yeah they beat AC Milan in the final and AC Milan yes. had to go play in the UEFA Super Cup that year not Marseille they got stripped not Marseille. Away, but they still have the Champions League I don't know yeah go figure you got to yeah. I I think I take the Champions League just because our only other European trophy came before color television and uh, in the 60s. I mean, Benfica can say the same thing. Like they won their two trophies uh, in the sixties. Yeah. Um, and our trophy is a tournament that doesn't, it's the cup winners cup. It doesn't even exist anymore. It's literal. Like you only know the cup winners cup winners uh, 
if you're like if you're like a trivia nerd that's like trivia question stuff so to have an actual like european trophy this century like that'd be i'd take that in a heartbeat i've seen us win domestic cups plenty of times now seen us win the league after like an 18 19 year drought I just want a European trophy now. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little. So I'll take the Champions League because I've seen Porto win a Champions League, and yeah. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with you on this one, the red, um, because we would have one up over Benfica, and then I think you guys would, would be three times. Yeah, yeah, we would be three times, and I think it would definitely put the argument at the moment a way that we're probably the bigger, more prestigious club. But then again, I would love. The green just absolutely. I mean, I've actually seen it. Like we're basically. Oh yeah. Ninety percent of the games we play Benfica, we used to slap them all the time. But oh, if I you were playing that. Sporting in like the early twenty tens, like you were winning, you were almost always winning that game. Yeah. There was no we we were in the we were in the trenches those years. Like everybody was beating us. Yeah. So I think yeah, I'll go with the with the red as well. But if yeah, the green where you beat your biggest rival every single time. Yeah, that's well. That's almost that's guaranteed awesome. domestic title, anyways, right? Like yeah. in, in our league, because it's such kind of a farmers league. That's almost guaranteed. Like if you beat Sporting and Benfica every year, it's just you basically walk to the title. <laughs> like <laughs> all you have to do is all you have to do is play like average football the rest of the year, and you're winning a title. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I I think it's between those, but I would take the Champions League just because I've never seen us win a European trophy. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I totally get it. And I'm, I'm with you on that as well. Yeah. ACM87 at FCP87. What are your guys' predictions for Porto in 2024? Sales, Champions League, the TASA. Also to both and all your listeners, have a Merry Christmas. So well, let's, factor, uh, let's factor your club into that as well. So I guess I'll go first. Uh, for 2024... Uh, sales, I mean, I'm assuming Diego Costa is going to go. And I think Galenu is going to go as well because we have so many wingers. Uh, I can see Alan Varela staying at least one more year. Uh, Taremi's going to leave, but that's probably going to be on a free. But, you guys leave a lot of guys open on uh, frees, I've noticed, the last like six or seven years. A lot of these players have left on frees. I know. <laughs> that's, it baffles me. It's such a weird trade. I feel like you're... Jason and I have talked situation. about this so many times. It's it, like it it kills every portista out there. We used to be it's just, the best. Your financial situation it. could be so much yeah. healthier if you just even said like we'll take the bare minimum for this player. Yep. Just we need we can't you can't afford to lose a player for nothing. Like some of the guys I've left on freeze, I've been like, wow, that's you didn't get anything for that guy. That's brutal. Yep. No, you're like I think if my I think if our club did that, there'd be another we'd fucking attack the academy again. <laughs> like, I, think, I think that's how bad. Like we'd start a part of the academy. And go, what are you doing? You're left go for nothing. Fuck you! Like unbelievable. It's it's baffling to me. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, man. It, it's just it's painful to just think about mm-hmm. it. I mean, you guys have been in a, a situation like that in the past. It's not fun, and people just rag on you about it. So. Hopefully, I mean, I, I think things are starting to get a little bit better now. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I think for the Champions League, uh, I don't know. I, we Depends on your draw. I think you guys can get quarterfinals if you get a, a somewhat favorable draw. Yeah, you guys the are thing is, it's like a, a lot of a, a lot of the a lot of the teams that finished first are actually really good this year. And I think uh, I don't know, maybe Atletico Madrid or Real Sociedad would be the favorable matchups for us. 
but I mean, we also have to get lucky um, and to, to draw them. If not, I think we're going to get steamrolled. So I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the round of 16. I think we're going to get knocked out uh, okay. there. And I think, uh, yeah, why not? I'm going to say we're going to win the league this year. I'm going to be a little biased. I, I think oh, it's yeah. just a, it's a three-way race and I think it can go either way to these uh, three teams. So I'll just go with my team on this one. All right. That's fair. I think for us, I said at the beginning, like on our preview show, uh, we had the, some friends from a long ball football yep. uh, come on our show. I said we were going to win at least one trophy. I think right now the path might be to two. I think we are going to win either the Toss Liga or the Toss of Portugal. I think right now, like the path is wide open, especially because of the draws that have kind of been like Portugal's already out. So one big shark's out of Toss Liga. I think we can absolutely, if we have to come against Benfica, we can beat them. Same with Braga. I th- we know in Toss of Portugal, one of Benfica, Braga is going out this round. Yep. Um, right. I don't know. I said, I don't know if we win league. I think we're going to finish second in that Champions League playoff spot. I think for the Europa League, realistically, because there's a lot of decent teams that came down from Champions League this year. I think we get past this playoff round. I think we might get past around a 16. I think we tap out out of probably the quarterfinals again, maybe the semis, depending on the draw. Yep. Um, but I think we leave with at least one, maybe two trophies likely domestically and i think it might be the two cups yeah, yeah. i mean everything the, the table's open for you guys you're all you're, you guys the, are all and the league is the, wide open i'm hesitant yeah. to say anything for the league because it literally can go between any one of four teams the way it's going right now yeah <laughs> absolutely it'd be nice to see uh benfica and Sporting in the europa league we almost had that happen. We almost had that happen last year we almost had it happen last year in the champions league porto and uh benfica so yeah uh, we had the all Portuguese Braga and Porto final years, few years back when it was three of the four uh, semifinalists were uh, were Portuguese. Yeah, uh, that was when Portuguese were really doing well in Europa League. Uh, we had Benfica make back to back finals. We had Sporting go on to final run to the final four, losing by a goal. Like, let's put some respect on. I've always said I always like the Europa League better than Champions League. It's more chaotic. Champions yeah. League is like the Super League. It's too predictable. Yeah, right. right, um, right. That being said, if I have to sacrifice everything and win the Europa League, I'll take a Europa League and I'll deal with it because then it gives us Champions League anyways. Right, and European so trophy. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question comes from our friend, Jack Hacken, bald bep enthusiast <laughs> at Companator. So sure, if you could recall... If you could recall a player for Monday's game that was sold by either Porto or Sporting in the last four seasons, which single player would you pick for your respective teams and what would you say to them before they enter the pitch? Fuck. If you had asked me this question like six years, six or seven years ago, I would have said Islam Simani because he loved playing against you guys. Yeah, he was good. Now I would not. (laughs) He wouldn't even be on my radar. Uh, In the last four or five years, I would want... I think if I could take a healthy Nuno manager, Pedro Porro, I'd probably take one of them. Okay. Because I feel like I feel like we're okay at striker, we're fine at midfield. I feel like it's one of those players. I can't. We haven't really sold it. With, I could say Luis Maximiano because our goalie ship, like that's kind of a cop it. So I'll say a healthy Pedro Porro. I think yeah. just because Nuno, that's that'd be like semi-realistic almost. Yeah, he was. Although Nuno Madge would be my second choice. Yeah, he's both. I mean, both options are they're really yeah. good players for you guys. For me, I, you know, I'm in the same boat. I would love to see. Uh, you know, I, I would say Luis Diaz because the guy was an absolute oh, phenom. That's a, that's a fun one. But then again, 
same situation with you. I would like a good left back or a right back, but yeah. I would have to go with Alex Stelz because that guy can always just produce a oh, goal. Great set piece taker. You know, the whole nine yards, the guy was just he, – he was a phenomenal player with us. So um, he was definitely He fit better. the identity of that club so well, too. I, w- I felt so bad for him at Man United. I was like, man, like – if they just let this guy cook a bit, like they would see such a fun player and they just never gave him a chance. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. Yeah. He, was, he, he is he was a excellent. fun player. Like it was at one point getting Brazilian national team, like starts at Porto. Yeah. Like that's how good he was playing. And Prem Snelter's like, I don't see the big deal with this guy. I'm like, Cause he never plays. You don't play him. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> like put some respect on the poor guy. Yeah. That's like, that's a good one. He, and he loved a big game too. Yeah. Yep. Loved scoring big goals. Yeah. Great set piece taker. The whole nine yards, man. It was. Yeah. You know, he was a great player. I would definitely take him right now. So we I'd got take him right now. <laughs> Pedro Porro and Alex Stelz are the two guys that would come back. Imagine if we had like some sort of simulator to see the game that way, <laughs> see what kind of difference those two would make. But Richard, I think that does it for this episode, man. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. I think this was a great discussion. We made it fun. We had some yeah. laughs. I mean, what more can we ask for? Thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me. And yeah, like I said at the top of the show, it's nice to have fans of the big three talk like in a civil discussion yeah. and not act like maniacs. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you guys on at some point too. Uh, whether yeah. it's uh, probably in the new year for sure. When we have another game, we'll definitely have to do that. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, thank Sweet. you. Uh, actually, um, if you want to... If you want to leave the uh, podcast where they could, uh, where everyone can follow you guys... Uh, uh yeah, all things so we're all things Avalad on uh on YouTube. You can check us out. We usually upload uh we usually go live once a week. So we'll probably be doing our recap of the Porto game this week as well as our Europa League game, uh which meant nothing. We couldn't move up or down in the standings. Uh you can follow us pretty much on all socials at uh AT Alvalad. Uh that's on x for i just still call it twitter uh, that's the first time i called next and forever uh instagram we kind of post there sometimes tiktok every once in a while but mainly twitter is where you'll see most of our stuff so at uh alvalad on uh, twitter you can find us awesome definitely check them out i've listened to their podcast for a number of years every now and then i always tune in to see what's going on in the sporting world and i've been on your show about a year ago yeah. and had a great time great guys that that run the show and you guys have great talk uh great talking points, you know, great content. And you guys always throw in some laughs in there too. Why not? So it's always great. We're sporting fans. If we can't laugh at ourselves, what can we laugh at? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Richard, thank you so much for having us, uh, for coming on uh, our show. And we will see you all on the next episode. If you could follow us on Twitter at FC Portupod ENG, uh, on Instagram, Portupod ENG, on Facebook, the Porto Podcast in English. And if you like the show, hit the five stars, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Leave a review. It helps us grow. We will see you all on the next episode.